Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody. Research and development, putting in the man hours to study the science of what you need. Last week, we put liquid paper on a bee, and it died. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup! Can I tell you something though? you're getting angry? I love you. Yeah, you big guy. Welcome back in, everybody, to another edition of the 40 Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Glad you could be here. We hope Week 17 went well for you, that you want some money. It was definitely some unprecedented times, something that we've never experienced before in Championship Week, let alone any regular season week that didn't count as much as Week 17 did for a lot of us. But we hope you had a great 2022 fantasy football season but without further ado let me kick it over to my co-host my main man my main squeeze how you doing adam how you doing tonight buddy doing well man um ready to talk about i'm doing well but all the things i didn't do well um in 2022 (laughs) season and what we've learned for 23 we've already talked about that but we're going to talk about our our swings and misses man but i'm doing well dynasty degenerates hope you guys are too well before we get into uh, the morose show that is our failures, which we did last year, which was fantastic. We had our biggest misses show, which I love to do. Actually, I do enjoy it. So you like to look back and see where we went wrong and try to get better for the next year. But reminder, sign up for the newsletter. It is fantastic. All the Destination Debbie team puts content on there. It's the easiest, quickest way and freest way to figure out what is going on at Destination Debbie, and it is absolutely fantastic. The description will have a link to sign up if you are not signed up. But, Adam, let's dive right into it, man. Biggest misses of 2022, and I'm going to start it off, and we're going to go way back when with the 2022 NFL Draft Class. Do you remember our first ever show? (laughs) Way back when, this time, damn near 365 days ago, We were talking about the 2022 draft class and how the quarterbacks were going to be undervalued, how people were dunking on the class for no reason. I'm a big Sam Howell lover. We thought Malik Willis might go in the top five at one point. We we thought we might have three, maybe four quarterbacks in the first round of the NFL draft. And what happened? 
we got Kenny Pickett. That was it. <laughs> Everybody else is irrelevant. Even Malik Willis, we still kind of hung on a little bit of hope, right, in our rookie drafts. You know, maybe take him in the mid-second. Maybe take him in the late second. You're going to get a steal. Buy him in season for any kind of second. You'll be fine. He's look god-awful. He's look horrible. Uh, Desmond Ritter, my once like late first round darling that I thought I was going to sneak in everywhere. Uh, jury's out, but it's not very good. <laughs> it's not looking good at him. And uh, Sam Howe, we have yet to see, though that will change this Sunday. Apparently, he's going to play and start. So I don't have a lot of faith, though, Adam. But that is my biggest miss, and it's way back at the beginning of our podcast career on Destination Debbie. And uh, we ate it. We ate it all over the place in these pre-NFL rookie drafts that we did. <laughs> Taking Malik Willis at 101 or 102. Matt Corral. How many shares of Matt Corral I had that were absolutely worthless. And, of course, like I said, I can't forget my boy Sam Howell, my darling, did absolutely nothing for me. So what do you think about that, Adam? How about that for kicking off the biggest misses with uh, holy shit? Yeah. I mean, uh, well, let, let's say this. That was – um. The, definitely a, the timeline, the first miss, right? Uh, let me say the first miss because I personally can't say it's the worst miss of um, of the 22 season because, Mike, now let me give you two things. One, you know, I guess three. One, I, I, I created a Twitter account. Two, I don't tweet that much. So if you want to go back and find my bad tweets, you don't have to scroll very far. And three, after week three had concluded um, – I tweeted out, is this your king for Justin Jefferson? And this was after all we did um, was talk about how you trade off of Justin Jefferson and, you know, t- down-tiered Justin Jefferson and Chase at will. And, Mike, um, you know, I-, I still think for the right price you do it. But th- those two especially, they just retain value at a tremendous level. And the whole wide receiver running back um, – debate in the value of the position whether you like them or not there's a shelf life difference in how they're valued so um the 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 justin jefferson jamar chase thing like i'm not going to say it's the worst thing we did we didn't say they were bad we just said you should be trading off of them for a nice teardown and i still think you can do that but i was i'm not as i'm not itching to do it unless it's a really good return as i once was you're not lying though, man. Like I was on that trade. We did multiple trade shows about it. We were like, you got to trade off of these guys and you can get incredible value. And I saw some fantastic trades that people made where they came down off of them. Now, I think my biggest issue with that, Adam, and you know me, I got to push it to the limit. I got to push it to the max. And sometimes those trade downs I would take for Jefferson or Chase, oh man, They don't look, I mean, they're not horrible, right? They're not like team wrecking. I'm not going to be in purgatory forever. But if I'm looking at it right now, I'm like, you know, I wish I would have kept them for that price. I wish I would have kept them, and I wish I would have kept my mouth shut when I was dissing them early in the season. Adam, I piled on to that, is this your king tweet with a Jamar Chase stat line for two weeks. And uh, I also ate shit on that one too, man. (laughs) So Jefferson Chase, that's a great one to be at the, at the top of the list because we were riding that one pretty hard buddy and we uh we swung and miss yeah i mean i, th- I think in, in overall sediment you know we we aren't like I, I still think i will i will down tier from them but i think where we were wrong for sure is that like don't just down tier off of them because 
the, the reality is their, their value retention is insane. Like we, we, we saw that with Jamar Chase this year. Um, and what they're, what they're scoring in points per game and what you can trade them for when they're healthy. Like all of that included basically is the down tier price, I think, has uh, yesterday's price is not today's price. Once we get through uh, week 18, I'll be really interested to see when I make up that uh, consistency spike week spreadsheet like I did last year. Uh, I'll have all the data for all 18 weeks to go ahead and make that up again. But it just feels like I know Chase missed some time with injury, but Jefferson especially, and when Chase has been healthy, oddly consistent, oddly consistently good. Now, week 17 aside for Justin Jefferson, which a lot of people might wrongfully so knock him for and bring him down a peg but damn damn i mean from the wide receiver position we're so used to it being so volatile but those two guys at the top were highly consistent week in and week out outside of just a handful and one of them happens to be week 17 where people are going to point and go they lost me the title don't look at it like that i mean outside of that they only had a couple bad weeks for the rest of the year and i didn't give a shit if it was wide receiver running back quarterback all fantasy players have that. I mean, it takes an elite, elite season where you're above average every single week and hitting spike weeks like those guys were. So positional advantage that they had over normal wide receiver twos or back-end wide receiver ones was absolutely insane in fantasy points. So I love that one, man. That's a great one to be on this list. Yeah, and I and I'll, I will give one point with that, what you said right there, Mike, of why we, like we play a lot of best ball. And if you listen to the show, you know – we, we, we talk both sides, but we, we really do focus a lot on best ball and the strategy there. And when you think about best ball, right, what you can acquire even before, like, I think Justin Jefferson's price went up this year from what it was because the quarterbacks have taken a hit. I mean, you're looking at the keep trade cut, Mike. He is damn near the same value as Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, right? So his cost has gone up. But the thing is, in best ball, because of that, like if you can net multiple multiple assets that are really good, even there it's probably worth it. Now, when Justin Jefferson's spiking, he still in best ball is insane. The problem is, now I'm not going to say you should knock him for this, but the reason you want to a lot of times get more depth and get more shots at the dartboard in your lineup is because like Justin Jefferson for what he's going to cost you, the acquisition cost or if you do consolidate, you probably haven't roster constructed to where now, if he gives you a, a zero like he did, right? Like you have three, four, five other wide receivers that are going to be able to replace that. So you're not expecting him to. And I, I think I think this is the thing with all wide receivers. They can flop weekly. But his ceiling is, is tremendous. It's just, you know, is it better to have three or four really good players or Justin Jefferson? It kind of depends how you, how you handle your roster. My next one I got on the list is painful. Um, very painful for me because I made this bet a lot of places and it was – I knew I couldn't get to the elite quarterback territory, Adam, so I settled for what I thought was the next best thing, right? I'm I'm almost elite. I'm giving I'm getting guys who are older and slightly devalued, but damn, when they're firing, they're putting up elite fantasy numbers. So I thought I was being smart and, and doing it the four D chess way, and that was investing heavily in Russell Wilson and Matt Stafford. Mm. Both, I thought, were going to be on phenomenal offenses. We had already seen the Rams have a great offense the year before when they won on the Super Bowl run, so there was nothing to indicate outside of the fact if you didn't look hard enough at their offensive line, you didn't give the big hog molly some love, 
you missed it just like me, man. If you would have looked, uh, took a nice hard look at that offensive line, you probably would have been like, this could fall apart in a hurry. And it did. But Russ, I think everybody thought, was going to be fantastic in Denver with those weapons. Javante, Cortland Sutton, Albert, oh, Jerry, Judy. I mean, even uh, K.J. Hamler was getting mad love in the offseason. We thought it was going to be fantastic. He's getting Aaron Rodgers, you know, the guy who worked with Aaron Rodgers. This is going to be awesome. And uh, both of them, absolute turds, absolute flops. <laughs> and the prices I paid for them, you know, when you're paying – QB 13, QB 14, QB 12 prices for these guys in startups or in trades. Oh, man, it was a tough obstacle to overcome. Thankfully, I had one league and one single league that had both of those guys on it that actually won a championship, and that's just because variance was so heavily in my favor. I played the absolute cupcake all throughout the playoffs and then just kind of lucked into a championship in Week 17, but... Matt Stafford, Russ Wilson, big swing and a miss for me. Yikes. That one's a rough one, man. Um, I know – so I wasn't overly exposed to either. Um, Russell Wilson was one, though, that I was chasing a little more than I was Stafford um, just because of what they cost. They were pretty pretty comparable, and I believe more in Russell Wilson. But um, th- those ones were rough. And, and, Mike, I didn't have a lot of Matthew Stafford, but the one place I had him – where I really needed him, where I only had two quarterbacks, I mean, it was it it absolutely destroyed that team. So um, I, I think you weren't alone with that. I think anyone that you know missed on the you know top eight, twelve guys, and then was taking Matthew Stafford and Russell Wilson like they're in that range. Oof, it's been a that was a rough year for both of them. Um, Matthew Stafford, I think, took more of a dive than Russell Wilson, and that's saying something because Russell Wilson took a huge dive in, in uh, value. He took a massive dive, but the other guy we're talking about maybe never plays football again. I know he said he's going to, but, man, it is hard to envision um, what it's, what it, what it's going to be like for Matthew Stafford if he returns. W- one thing I think this is not going to be the negative that I'm going to get into. I got a bunch of more of those, but one thing I think that we – especially for the quarterbacks that aren't that mobile. So Russ, Russ can move some, um, so I don't want to necessarily play him. But like when you talk Matthew Stafford, right, and you think about the trade, uh, Jared Goff, I think, you know, Goff this year played behind a, a O-line that had been put together and finally was healthy and was really good. And you look at Matthew Stafford. So if you're a quarterback like him that can't run and your offensive line's trash, I mean, you are you are toast. There's nothing you can do. And – you know, we saw how different, like, we, we knew there were O-line concerns about the Rams this year, but, man, early on it was like, okay, like, they lost Whitworth and they were already bad. This is ugly, really ugly. And for Matthew Stafford, who can't get out of jail, um, whew, it was it was not a good year for him, and they didn't give him any time. I mean, uh, they lost Brian Allen, their center there, for a while, too, so I didn't think you were going to get that much in-depth about offensive line talk, but now we're diving into Whitworth in, and Brian hey, Allen and the impact they had, but yes. Yes, Mike, you threw out the hog mollies, man, uh, on this on this pod. So I had to start t- talking the line, you know. It was a, you know, I, I've been in a position where you you make a bet that heavily on a player and it backfires. I've never made almost very similar bets, Adam, in the same range for the same price at the same damn position. Guys who are both older and miss both times as badly as they missed. Right? It wasn't like it was just a, you know. I almost hit a home run. It just came up short of the fence. No, this was 
I didn't even touch the ball, man. <laughs> this yeah. is Jacob Jacob Degrom throwing heaters down the middle, and I'm just swinging a miss, swinging a miss. I think I tore a hammy and maybe pulled an abductor muscle. How hard I was swinging when I didn't connect with the ball. That that's what it's like. It was an absolute whiff, which. I mean, it's hugely detrimental. Russ took a hit. You know, we, we've had discussions where, uh, you know, like I'm still in it, Russ, at price. You know, I bet on a bounce back, yada, yada, yada. Stafford, it's a tough sell, man. It's a, it's a tough, like, one, if you got him, nobody wants to buy him. Two, even I, who's like the, the value, oh, man, I'll buy anybody at the right price. Even I look at that situation around the leagues in my leagues with people with Matt Stafford and go, Nah, I'm good, man. Like, I think I'll just stay away from this one. <laughs> like, I'm not going to touch this with a 10-foot pole. I'll, I'll pass. I mean, if you want to trade him to me for a third, cool. <laughs> I'll take that. But some of these seconds I'm looking at, I'm just like, nah, I'm good, man. <laughs> I'm good. I kind of know where the hype is on this class. So it's wild to see two guys in the same range, same position, like I said, miss that damn badly. Well, and, and you know, let, let me do this too because I, I think – this is actually an important discussion. So before we get into the next miss, so when you think about this, right, a lot of the show and the stuff we do on 40 chess is more process based, right? So like when you think about what this is and what you were doing, probably if you made a trade down, you're tearing down off of age because we talk about how quarterbacks, a lot of times people overpay for the age because quarterback as a whole, it's a position that you can play a lot longer and the shelf life's longer. So when you think about the fact that the shelf life's longer for these quarterbacks, you're saying, okay, the cost of acquisition for, you know, the younger guys who haven't necessarily proven as much, you know, i.e. like a Trevor Lawrence, or in the cost of the older crusty guys, which you think still have some years, those were two guys I think that that process really failed for um, hard. Now, you, you had Kirk Cousins, who maybe wasn't that way. But l- let me say this, because of the quarterback landscape, what we've seen today, and where we are now. I mean, we talk about how it's the top 12 and then it gets really ugly. So like I one I don't know, like I don't I don't see or, or I guess we can talk about it, you know, in the process moving forward, Mike. One, are there guys that make sense to try and do, and thread the needle for the same thing? And then two, like is that a bad process moving forward to bet on some of the guys that maybe are devalued because of age or do you think it's just so much safer to stay up high? I mean, you and I talked about it weeks ago. You and Jay Rich talked about it when I was gone for that week on that startup that we did where it just – the quarterback position, man, it just feels like after 12, like I'm good for a while, man. I don't know if I want to take the bet. Maybe it's just being hurt so bad from this, from last year, but I don't want to take the bet on on Trey Lance, and I don't want to spend a a second or a third-round startup pick on Kirk Cousins. I don't want to spend this on Kenny Pickett or Daniel Jones or Jared Goff or whoever the hell it may be, Adam. Like, I'm good. Really, when I look at it, it's like it's the top 12 and there's a massive gap. And then even if you want to rank Lance and Cousins and and these guys next, it's like you look down just a little bit farther and you go, what's the difference between that and, you know, taking a shot on one of these other guys, right? Like taking a shot on one of these filler quarterbacks, right? Like a, a Jimmy G if he gets a job, a Brock Purdy, if that's the guy that you like, if whoever the hell it may be, it's just like, nah, I'm good, man. (laughs) Like, I don't think there's that much of a a difference between like QB 13 and QB 28. And and it's not enough for me to want to spend that premium draft cap, but I'll just 
take whatever the hell I get later and, yeah. and roll roll with it. But well, I think it's I, th- I think this I think this one burned me so bad that you won't see me drafting a lot of quarterbacks in those middle rounds outside of taking the shots on the rookies, which we already know is a bad bet for a contender. But on a rebuilder or productive struggle, like that's where the value is going to maintain and last for a little bit. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think, Mike, when you think about it, um, I I honestly think it was like the perfect storm, though. Like, I, I, I'm not even sure what to make of the process because every one of them that we saw, like, for a long time, a lot of these older guys that had names had been producing way past their, their, their prime, you know, way past that. And you had them all die this year, Mike. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, for whatever you want to say, was – not good this year. Russell Wilson yep. was bad. Matthew Stafford was bad. Like there, there's no one in this um, middle range anymore. It, it's gone. So there's not even a way to make it, make the process move. And, and I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see if that ever comes back just because like, it just doesn't feel like there's anyone that can be in that, that range anymore. Well, 2021 was like the, the golden age for these, these exactly. mid round quarterbacks, man. We built so many teams where you're like, Oh Yeah. You don't need to do the Sky Connor approach, right? You don't need to trade up and get two elite quarterbacks. You're good if you get two or three of these guys in rounds four through seven, four through eight. You'll be fine. And, Adam, it worked out for us. We did fine. And if you did it this last year, you hate yourself. <laughs> well, that's passion. What, that's what I'm, an absolute passion. That's what I'm getting ready to say here, Mike, because when you look at just, okay, so 2021, right? Yeah, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, one and two. Uh, but th- this is in a six-point per passing touchdown format. Um, Brady, three. Mahomes four, Stafford five, Rogers six, Dak seven, Burrow eight, Kirk Cousins nine, Jalen Hurts ten, uh, Kyler Murray eleven, Ryan Tannehill twelve, right? right? Like, like I mean, now that that was not points per game. That's like end of the season stats. But point is, you know, there's quarterbacks producing in that that are talking about their guys in their thirties that are devalued because of the age, and, and it's not like that was the only year we saw these guys produce for you you know but it, it this all happened I think as a whole Mike this year so it, it's it's a bet obviously now the costs are so much different but that process bet this year killed you almost everywhere killed you and there's no way I don't think I could, you can't go back to the well and you got to have big old balls you want to do that right you got to have big old stones big old cojones to go like I'm gonna do it again Last year was a fluke. I I can't do it, man. I'm the, I'm, the only way the only way you can get behind it and convince yourself is because now, like you can reap insane different plethora of assets on top of it. But you better be set at quarterback. Like you don't want to do that in your top two quarterbacks for damn sure. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it, that's a bad bet because if if you make the bet like you did on Stafford this year, like it, that that completely cripples teams in Superflex. Um, so so moving on. I'll give you um, my my biggest personal investment miss um, was Cam Akers. Um, rough one, man. And, and I, I think we are we kind of hit on this last episode a bit, but you know, I, I think had things hit right for Cam Akers, we talked about this where if, if he would have come out and this is staying on the Rams point, it's kind of why I went to Akers. But if that offensive line wasn't quite as bad and that offense fired more and Stafford was good. And, well, week one, he wasn't even playing. But Cam Akers was at least like that 50%, 60% snapshot guy. Like, there's still probably a scenario where he's worth or in the range of a first or an early second or whatever, right? So, like, it wasn't a horrible bet on paper when you think about it that way. The problem is, what's the ceiling? Like, 
if Cam Akers smashes, let's say he ends up getting the three down work, like I don't think he's ever going to get to that two first range just because of the running back landscape, because there's still people that don't want to believe in the Achilles. You know, he's not this rookie anymore, right? He's in year three, injury, hasn't had the greatest start to his career. It's been up and down. Like, the what I'm going to get in net if it cashes absolutely was not what the floor is if he came out and didn't play and didn't play well and the Rams team stinks and he's asking to get traded and isn't playing middle of the season. Like, it cratered. It was a bad bet. So, um I ended up getting actually a couple more just because why not when it was super, super cheap. But the, what I had invested in Cam Akers by and large outside of maybe the cheap price where I got him for seconds in the Achilles injury, like the, th- those investments did not pay off for Cam Akers. I think what you're hoping for, right, with Cam Akers, and you can lump my next one in there too because uh, it, it's Antonio Gibson if you know me. right? Yeah, we'll, we'll, just do, we'll just do this in one segment, you know. <laughs> What you're hoping for both of these guys, right, is – and this is best-case scenario, man. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but just think about what you hope for, what I hope for, what Adam, what you hope for. It's kind of that Josh Jacobs-like value where Josh Jacobs just produces and he's kind of always been hated on. Like he, a lot of people have soured on Josh Jacobs. They, they've soured on him for a long time. And even a fantastic year that he had this year, it took people a long, long, long time to get back in on Josh Jacobs. That is the absolute like rose-colored glasses situation for Antonio Gibson and Cam Akers right now. It is where I think if they're on your roster, Adam, on any kind of contender, like you're good holding them. You're like, I believe in this guy, and I, you know, and they have the potential to put up fantasy points, but the value to trade them away is is gone. Like it's never gonna be there. They've, they've approached that range where they're always going to be more valuable on your team than what they are or what they will fetch on the market. So there was a time, there was a time, you and I in the offseason, where that we had that that ray of hope, that golden sunshine that, like you said, they might get back to that two-first territory, right? They're going to come out and smash early in the season and remind everybody that they're super talented running backs with elite skill sets, and that didn't happen. It went the complete opposite way. And I think you and I have talked about it before. I think we didn't factor in the downside and weigh the risk versus the reward, right? We we did have an opportunity for reward. That's a scenario that could have happened. I could see it happening. The fact is it didn't happen, and we didn't picture the bottom to be this bad. (laughs) The bottom just to completely fall out. And then you're kind of left with like a guy that, if you can get an early second for like you're smiling, like thank God, <laughs> thank God somebody's gonna bail me out. I'll re-roll this into a a Charbonnet or a, you know a Zach Evans or something along those lines. Thank you for bailing me out. Well, in two points about that too, what you talked about there, right? That there's a scenario for them to regain and show everyone their their value. Okay, so two two big things here. One we already touched on the first one really is the running back thing. So running backs especially because we know going into essentially like year four-ish, it, the value really starts to drop, even if it's been good yeah. for the first three. Look at Jonathan Taylor this year. I mean, this was untouchable Jonathan Taylor. This year he you know gets injured for a little bit of time, and he's Kenneth Walker ahead of him, right? Like that's the running back landscape. That's how the values change there. So there's a, there's a fall-off potential at running back 
But but I think the bigger point here that I want to make, Mike, is this. We right now saw this season be, at least in my opinion and what I witnessed, the most reactionary and overreactionary market I've ever seen in Dynasty. And I think because there's so much information to go find stuff, people tend to get, you know, mainstream information and, they, and you'll see trends, right? And I think what, what, we're, what I really want to get at here is both of these guys, Mike, we were fighting, right? We are pounding the table for because it it's like, no, it's gone too low. The problem is when, when you get a guy, I think, that is trending down, right? You have to really ask yourself, what what happens now? Because if I'm buying at this point, right, and it's still a, a first range, like you're spending a true liquid first value on a player that's trending down, what happens if it keeps going down? Now what if their belief mm-hmm. becomes reality? This guy is going to free fall, and we saw that a lot of times. Now I will say this. If you make the bet on that correctly, it won't be as bad. Like – Devontae Smith, right? People were ready to throw this man to the wolves after week one, right? No catches. He had a great season, but even still, he's not appropriately valued because there's already bias saying he's not that good, right? So, like, I think when you see somebody that is, as a whole, we're talking about them being devalued in the community, ask yourself what you're investing into that player because that there's probably a scenario where that player really free falls if it doesn't go right. Do you see that blinking light, though, Adam, that that glimmer of hope, right? I'm seeing it right now. I pull up Keep Trade Cut, and I know I give them a lot of shit, but I still like to kind of get an idea of where people are voting out them as. And Cam Akers and Antonio Gibson. Now, uh, we had a debate way back at draft time. Cam Akers or Antonio Gibson. One of the only debates that we've ever had live on air where we've had a disagreement and been on opposite sides. And uh, I can say... Uh, we're at the end of the season, Adam. You won this one, right? Cam Akers is valued more than Antonio Gibson. So congratulations to you. But when I look at it, man, the names on the list above these two guys, and maybe it's me just still being a fanboy, but I can easily say, Adam, like I will go out and acquire these guys at this cost, period. Because the names around it, I'm willing to sell. Like I'm willing to see the downside of these guys and bank on the fact that I like the talent of Cam Akers or Antonio Gibson. So, for example, right above Cam Akers, Brian Robinson, okay? James Cook. You know how much I love James Cook, man. (laughs) You know how much I love James Cook. I'd still rather have Cam Akers. I have seen it. I've seen him produce these last couple games more than I have James Cook. Now, he was coming on strong. We really don't know, but... He just doesn't profile to me like a running back like Cam Akers where you can give him the ball like he can actually get three down work, right? Uh, Miles Sanders. As much as I'm an Eagles fan, man, Cam Akers or Miles Sanders at this point, like I think Miles Sanders is still a good running back, but I'll take Cam Akers. Rashad White? Like it's a nice story, but what is Rashad White when Tom Brady leaves and that offense looks horrible? I mean, the the guy had a tough time unseating Lenny, Uncle Lenny. And uh, that's Uncle Lenny with like a a fucked up foot. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, left tackle Lenny as Eric Vanek used to call him, right? So there's some guys above Cam Akers where I go, what the hell? The guys above Antonio Gibson? James Conner? Really? Khalil Herbert? Ooh, Khalil Herbert's bad. David Montgomery? Mm. Yeah, I mean... Tyler Isaiah Pacheco. Pacheco. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of 
sketchy ass territory for these guys. So I don't know. Maybe it's just me still holding on a little bit of fandom at them. But when I look at that list and I go above it, like I don't, I don't think there's any question if I'm sitting in a startup and right or wrong, I will push the button on Cam Akers or Antonio Gibson before a lot of these guys. Yeah, and and be happy about it. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think, I, I think uh, Dynasty Degenerates listening, you, you may disagree with some of those there. And well, th- this is also let me say this: this is Cam, this is Cam Akers getting a surge in value. Um, he he's up seventy one spots. So <laughs> it's a massive right? boost, like, right? Let, let let's just acknowledge, like Mike, we thought there was no debate on who won this argument: Antonio Gibson, Cam Akers, when. Cam Akers wasn't playing football, right? And he was asking for a trade and no one wanted him. Well, you, you said it earlier too. This is the most reactionary dynasty season that you can remember, right? Just You just pointed out there, up 71 spots. There was a time where Antonio Gibson, we're getting start-sit questions on Destination Debbie, and it's like, yeah, you got to start Antonio Gibson. He's playing really well. He's almost a back-end RB1. Start him up, fire him up. And how quickly they've like flip-flop spots and Cam Akers has zoomed past him on the back of a couple games, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, Akers has shown um, on a really bad football team lately that he can still run the football. Um, What I saw in the last game, him picking up a block, I I think that's been one of his bigger problems. He can't pick up blocks. Um, How many times did you watch that? Well, you know what's funny? I watched it live and was going crazy because I'm like, oh, that was a dope block. And then the the, the announcer said it. I forget who it was, but I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a – because I'm I'm looking for Cam Akers to do well. I'm like I'm confirmation <laughs> he did well, you know. And then uh, it was like the next day I saw someone tweeted out and had all these views. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna get back to Twitter, even though I really lost that Justin Jefferson tweet. Um, let's get back on Twitter if he <laughs> if he picks up these blocks, you know. He crawled out of the gutter to post yeah. a Cam Akers block. I love it, man. <laughs> yep, you know, I I could see it because when he gets the snaps and when he gets the touches, like he still showed this year on a really bad football team with a bad offensive line that nobody wants to start anyone on like the not only can he be relevant like since he was getting all that work he's been an rb2 every week but he also posted the singular rb1 season uh rb1 week on the first season so like in the playoffs it, right there's not that the semis, many right? there's not yes. that many guys that i think have rb1 for the week upside out that is unless it's like fluke so um i, I would say this like what i've learned is Investing at those guys near first round picks in the coming into a debatable year where they're in year three like that, not the best bet, right? But now, like you're talking about this range, one in startups, I'm, I'll be back in. Although, like from a portfolio standpoint, it's just insane what it looks like at this point. <laughs> just lean into it. But two, like I think there's a big conversation about what he's worth in futures, and I, I think there's a lot of realism for what you want to do right if you're a contender do you want to move them are you the problem is we don't know it's always with acres we don't know what we're going to get year in and year out so next year do you believe he can get that type of workload is he going to be in la do they move on from him if he's in la how good is that offense because they've looked a little better with baker but it still projects to be pretty damn bad and then the the range right so when you put picks into the mix right here mike okay early 23 first or cam acres like when when it rolls around, I think that's about right. I think that's reasonable. Like, and if you want to get out for the early first and you think you can move it for more, I probably can't fight you because we already said Acres is up seventy one spots here, right? I don't know how much in the off season he's really going to go up. Um, but Mike, I think like it's not very far from a mid. So if we're talking like mid twenty three second, 
I'd probably be more in. And if it's, if I can send a late second for acres, I'm absolutely in. So I, I think in this range, it's a lot more palatable to invest too. So there was a miss in the off season on acres, but I think right now where he's valued, what we've seen, I'd be more comfortable holding him because one, I don't want to sell for a mid or late second. And I might buy at the right price too. I like it, man. I like it. My last one that I have here, Adam, that I want to discuss is more of like a strategy. And this only applies, you know, I thought really long and hard about this. This one's only going to apply to my lineup leaks where I missed it. And I think it's the shift that I have to embracing more variance. We've talked about it. You know, I don't, I don't have a number on it. What the variance like percentage between best ball and lineup would be, but it's definitely a lot less in best ball. I mean, there's still variance that happens, right? We've seen those those monster squads lose in the semis and not make it to the finals, right? I've been a part of that. We've seen your team actually get to the finals and then just kind of lay an egg, and you're like, how the hell did this team lose? But the fact is you still made it that far. In lineup leagues, man, I've seen monster squads lose their first playoff game handily, not even close. Like, it is just wild. And it, I've been a part of it this year. And I think that's what opened my eyes a little bit more in lineup to embracing the variance and being more open to sneaking in, you know, as the five or the six seed and just getting in the show versus having to build these super elite contenders or having to go one direction and and completely rebuild and nuke my team and, and get everything that's aging and value decline off and be more comfortable playing in the middle and being more comfortable playing there. It's because I was just a part of it, right? Like, I got in the playoffs in a 14-team league as a five seed, ran the fucking table, and won the championship. And I'm going, man, I didn't think this was going to happen. <laughs> I had two god-awful quarterbacks. I fucked up. I, You know, I traded for Russ. I traded for Matt Stafford at the beginning of the season, right? 14-team, start nine, super flex. I need damn good quarterbacks to win this league. And if I didn't got them, I, I shouldn't even play. And uh, what happened, man? Those two quarterbacks were god-awful. They did almost nothing for me. They actually actively hurt me in multiple weeks when I'm throwing them in because, like, oh, they're going to turn it around this week. No. (laughs) No, they didn't. Instead of starting other quarterbacks like Justin Fields that I had on my team. So I will say this. in, In these lineup leagues, the one big miss I had was not embracing the variance, and I think I will do it a lot more. Scott talks about this all the time where you sell surplus. And having the ability to sell surplus and keeping your liquidity up is beneficial to you. Now, in right. best ball leagues, we can have a, a, an animated discussion about the difference between lineup and best ball, how that applies. And I will say this. A lot of our best ball theories worked out and played exactly kind of how we thought they were going to this year. Lineup, on the other hand, man, that's still a fickle beast that I'm trying to figure out. And the reason that I had such a hard time is that variance thing. So I think the one thing I learned for, for that, Adam, one of my biggest misses was, hey, embrace the variance. <laughs> embrace the variance, man. You'll be fine. Sneak in as that five or six seed, just get in the show. And uh, like that old meme, right? So you're saying there's a chance. That's yeah, all I need. I like that. The, you hit on a, a few things there I wanted to touch on. One, okay, so the picking the direction thing, right? Like, I still very much, even in lineup, believe in picking the direction. But what I do think is the time in which you pick one or the other can be very detrimental. And let me say this. When we would talk in the offseason, right, about picking a direction, 
in lineup, you could even still do that. But I think there's a you need to be very careful about when you're buying what players, understanding the fallout if it doesn't go right. But mainly with this conversation, I'm not trying to move my first. We talked about this on last episode, I believe, about I don't want to move my first for players in these type of, like definitely not the Cam Akers and Gibson that we talked about before, right? That is that is a really bad bet. But I'm not going to sell off my first and my flexibility if it doesn't go right, even if I think I want to win and contend in the offseason, unless I'm getting into the elite quarterback tier to do so, uh, whatever it takes to get those type guys, you know, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, one of the elite receivers, something that's going to really retain value. Um, if it doesn't go right because the pick's not going to get hurt if things don't go right or someone gets hurt that value drop off's huge and then as we approach right and you talk about sneaking in as as now you see what happens maybe you start moving your pick in close to the playoffs when you're already guaranteed to be in or in the playoffs if you can trade there like what you can move it for there maybe you don't get top dollar because now that says late pick but you have saved yourself from the a really big fall the other thing too is what I think on that point with picking the direction same thing in the opposite way for me where like I, I love to lean into the rebuild right like I really do I'm more so yeah. than I think a lot of people just because I love the value that I can pick up but one thing I think in lineup especially is like I think that even on my rebuilds I don't want to like nuke it nuke it in the offseason like let me at least have some young quarterbacks that give me a shot like and, and then if it goes right and I have all this pick equity now I can actually like have a chance to make the playoffs and start moving it appropriately because if you if you're rebuilding you're just going to keep taking the picks but you don't have a chance if you don't roster any of the guys that are valuable in lineup you can't put a roster I, together that can get you to the playoffs where I think if you, you know, at least even in this rebuild, you're holding Trevor Lawrence, you're holding some of these quarterbacks that if they play well, like your team actually could have a chance now. You know, in a lot of these rebuilds, I won't even have Trevor Lawrence, right? Like I'm totally leaning into the picks, maybe just narrowing that in so I have a team that still might make it make it in, but it's young, it's ready to go. And if it, if it happens now, I have picks I can move in today. I don't have to wait two or three years. I love it too, man. Yeah, I mean, you touched on that last part right there about waiting a little bit longer on some of these older guys. Like we, we definitely missed when we're saying like, oh yeah, you got to get this guy off your roster, right? You know, come the, the the first week, if he does anything, that's your window. Get him off your team immediately. It's okay sometimes holding those guys, right? It's okay to hold them because people do some wild shit like week six, week seven, week eight. Week nine, week ten, you start approaching trade deadlines in the leagues that have them. You start getting closer to the playoffs. There's a lot of contenders out there that are like, I want deals. And if you still have that flexibility, Adam, where you have some of these older guys on your team that are important and valuable and, and acquirable for those contenders, you can get some really good deals done. Yeah. And you don't have to force it so early in the season, right? You don't have to be so strict so rigid to be like i gotta get these guys off by the end of september if i if i don't i'm i'm failing it's okay it's okay to hold them a little bit longer so and on the plus thing too man we've all seen those teams where you're like there's no way this team should be competing this year and then you look up by like week seven or eight and you're in like third place (laughs) you're one of the top scoring teams and you're like how the fuck 
did this happen? Yes. Now, <laughs> I should not be here. <laughs> now, now that was like the lineup side, right? And now, now let me say this because th- what I like about what you said there on, on the separate note is, okay, when you get to best ball. Because, Mike, we just went through, what are we at, 40 minutes or so of all the misses we had, right? Yeah. So we And we talk about how in, in lineup, like, we were – some of the, some of those misses are more heavily exposed, right? So, Mike, think about some of the things you just said, right? The misses you maybe had on Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, Cam Akers, Antonio Gibson. I mean, I know our exposure rates were very high on those guys, even in best ball, right? All the misses we had this year. Mike, if we were trying to contend in best ball, most of those teams were contending with all the misses we had on players there. Like, yeah. We we I, th- I really think our strategy is honed in um in, in best ball and even the teams like I, Mike I had probably the worst luck ever on one of these but it was still rostered so like I made the playoffs but it's <laughs> I missed everywhere and I still had a team that like could have could have won um absolutely in best ball and I think the strategies that we've implied in best ball are huge um and, and I think if we can con- correct some of the things that we just talked about earlier, right? Learning those points that we have here, like not investing in year three running backs that we love the skill set, but the situation's dicey and the community's down, right? Not investing in maybe in some of these quarterbacks that the range is close to the elite ones, but we think we're getting a discount when the, if the bottom falls out, like, oh my God. Like learning some of these lessons on player stuff with the strategy we have in best ball going into next year, I mean, Dynasty Generous, I'm I'm getting excited. I hope you are. I mean, that's like we already have the strategy, I think, honed in pretty well. And if we can apply more stuff to that next year, best ball leagues are gonna be fun. This is why I love being a part of the Destination Devi community. Uh, we have so many smart content creators, we have so many smart patrons, we have so many great chats, great discussions, great voice chats, patreon.com forward slash all gas. Get your ass in here. Especially get your ass into the Heisman tier, man. So much good stuff goes down in there on a daily basis. But this is this is part of it, Adam. This is why we get better every single year is I can look at it and then listen to a, a Scott Connor podcast that comes out on Monday and go, shit, man, he's 100% right. Like in my lineup leagues, I, I desperately – I've never done it. I've never done it. But Scott had that great roster construction series where he's talking about 30-man rosters and – threshold wide receivers and how many of each position and what to target i'm looking forward to doing a startup or taking existing teams that i have in lineup and trying to apply those principles right trying to force force my team in that direction and then see how they play out because you know i just talked about the variance thing i was against it i'm like either you need to be great and loaded top to bottom or you need to be absolutely horrible and bad and the sooner you can get there and pick your direction, the better. But I, I've had my eyes open where it's just like, man, I got to change. Just I got to tweak it. I got to adjust it. I got to yeah. take the dial and just turn it just a little bit. And then we'll see how the ingredients, how it tastes next year, right? how it comes out. But some honorable mentions that I had for my misses personally, cow pits, uh, not because of the injury. We should have looked we kind of talked about it a little bit where the bet you were making on Kyle Pitts wasn't for 2022, but Adam, it, it was so hard to ride this out, right? <laughs> so hard to eat shit for 2022 on Kyle Pitts, knowing or hoping that 2023 brings you better 
better success, better luck, and, and everything we thought about Kyle Pitts. So definitely on the list for me as far as a player, honorable mention. Um, some of the other guys that were on this list for me were just strictly due to injury, man. I had high hopes for Javante. We know what happened. RIP. Uh, the J.K. Dobbins thing. I was a little too in on J.K. Dobbins, like he's going to bounce back too quickly. And I'm glad to see that he, he finished the season strong. And it'll be interesting case where he's valued at next year. But still, Adam, I mean, he came back, you know, we thought it was going to be earlier. <laughs> it ended up being later. And then he missed a bunch of time with a second surgery. So bad on me. I dunked all over people who are overdrafting Chris Godwin and Michael Gallup for the same thing. And uh, I uh, I put my blinders on for J.K. Dobbins. And uh, that's a miss. That's a miss for me. Yeah. I mean, I... You know, I, I had several others too. Kyle Pitts would have been one. Um, I, I was banking on. It, it's funny we we um, man, we we had so much discussion with different people this year, and no Noah fan I still believe is like this, you know, elite talent of a tight end. And I thought, okay, new situation they picked up his his first round. You know, the the, uh, yeah. the option. The you're fifth, like, yeah, fifth year, yeah. And um, you're you're thinking, all right, like I see a, a bounce back, but. It was funny, man, because I was listening to right before the season. Like it was probably right after I did my Noah Fan video. Nate Liss, who's over that way, talking about like you know the way they run stuff in Seattle. Even though that like they they value Fan on their team, like it's it doesn't it doesn't look good for him, right? With Geno Smith, as much as he might check down, you still have Tyler Lockett, you still have DK, and they run a lot of these sets where a bunch of tight ends are running routes, right? And I'm like, nah. I don't believe it. Nah. Well, it didn't take long for me to believe it um, because he called it and it was a good call. Like, I, I still love the talent of Noah Fant and at the cost today, like, why not probably? But, you know, it's th- – that that was another one where – I'm telling you, th- th- this is going back to that same point. Like, as much as I want to fight on some guys that I really like, th- that's one of my biggest lessons and one of my biggest misses is – Guys that I have an affinity for, right? Uh, Noah fan. I believe in the talent. I believe I've seen it play out well, and it's not going well at the time, right? Cam Makers was the last one. Noah fan here. I, I got so many we could talk about. Elijah Moore, um, where, you know, I want to fight and push back because, like, I see the upside, and, and that does exist. But the the problem is because I'm so bullish on this happening, like assess what happens if it falls because if the community's having them fall already and you're debating if it doesn't go well to start the year like especially i want to talk about this in the off season because it's so long i think it's so easy to defend players because you're looking for stuff to talk about right you're waiting for play fo- uh, football to be played again so you're just get these guys back on the field and you don't you don't have that so you start leaning into arguments and takes and discussions if the player is getting a overall negative sentiment and then they start the year off poorly and some of the negative sentiment becomes real discussion, you have a free fall coming. Yeah, you're you're bound to fail, right? You're yes. bound to go down. The, there's yes. no question about it, right? We've seen it with so many guys, right? You talked about Noah Pham, but we talked about Antonio Gibson. We talked about Cam Akers. It's like you're, you're teetering on the ledge and somebody just gave you a push with their production, like what they're actually doing on the field. And uh, the, there's not a lot of climbing out that you can do on that. Not a lot of guys who rebound that hard or hard enough in those situations to 
make you right in the end. You know what I mean? Like you're, yeah. you're kind of set up to fail from the jump. Now on the flip, let me give you one lap, my last one here, um, which is kind of a little bit of the flip. So, and, and I think as a process move, I'm going to say with this, we, uh, I fought this one last year on one player. Like we've got to be careful about chasing just target volume because Rashad Bateman was a prospect I loved, right? And it didn't start off all the greatest for him. But then when the scenario opened of the Hollywood trade of like, okay, he's going to take this target share and we, ha- we haven't seen it, right? If you're chasing the target volume, but you haven't seen it and there, it's not like this hyped up rookie that's got, you know, top 15 draft capital coming in. You, you, we pushed Rashad Bateman up because it's like we, he's going to be the guy. He's the number one guy. It's 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 a lock. And, man, it's I still love the talent, but when, when you see a year, and I know he's coming off injury, but it wasn't the greatest, and now it's like all of a sudden we have this value surge, you got to be very careful about that, I think, because, like, Bateman smashes, right? Once again, it's the same argument. If Bateman smashes, probably where he was going, once he started getting this value surge, it didn't make sense. So... Um, and, and be very careful chasing target volume as one of the primary reasons you like a player. We did that with one other player too, right? And specifically me, Darno Mooney, did the same fucking thing. Yeah. But the flip side is we actually saw the targets last year. <laughs> well, that, that, that's, that's why I think Mooney, done... Mooney's a little different conversation because people didn't really believe in the talent and draft capital. And the, and, the, and the target volume was actually already there, right? Like you're chasing this new target volume you haven't seen with Bateman, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, some other guys, pretty much if you made our YouTube page a uh, banner, you probably sucked this year. Uh, other than of, Smitty. Like, other than Devontae Smith, you were horrible. <laughs> you were horrible. So just take our entire YouTube page and uh, that was probably it, man. Adam, I like doing this one. It, it hurts. You know, but this is how I get better. This is how you and I both get better is uh, learn from our mistakes, move on, adjust, tweak the knob and come back fighting next next uh, next year. Trying to make it best. But for those of you wondering, uh, next week we will do our, our hits. We always do misses first, but we'll do our hits. We'll do a little bit of gloating and then it's on to the 2023 class and strategy going in. And you will get that until you <laughs> Are blue in the face <laughs> we are blue in the face about 2023 because it's going to be so important it's going to be the conversation it's going to be all the values it's going to be the trades it's the ones that you need to make it's the ones that you can get out of when the picks are valued too highly when they're valued too lowly what players to target i mean if you're tapped into destination debbie this is the place to get your 2023 draft class information this is where to go so everything adam we got Campus to Canton leagues. So we'll probably have some talk a little bit about uh, incoming freshmen. I know we're not campus to Canton.com. Shout out to Matt Bruning and the crew over there who do a fantastic job. But I pay attention to them, man. I play in real money leagues. <laughs> so I got to talk about them. I got to talk about what I'm doing, what I think, uh, put my little spin on it. But I'm excited, man. This is the first episode of the new year. It's fantastic. It sucks that we got to start off with the uh, basically the shitter show. <laughs> hey, here's how we fucked up and why you should never listen to us again. <laughs> but got to do it, man. We got to own our L's. So yeah, I feel Adam. I feel like you know um, I'm gonna drop uh, one from Wolf of Wall Street here that I think really applies to the losers episode. You know, and uh, one thing I can promise you, even in this market, 
is that I never ask my clients to judge me on my winners. I ask them to judge me on my losers because I have so few. <laughs> and I, That's cap. The, uh, the, the last part, I have so few is cap, but uh, I wanted to drop that one in there. You know? Shout out to Ike and Gene, man. Off the line. That's yep. cap. That's cap, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but I wanted to drop that in there, man. We, we had we had some some losers this this year. Um, we had some bad bad takes, bad bets. But I, I think actually, Mike, you know, it, it's not fun to talk about everything you missed on, right? Because in the moment, you're like, damn, I made a stupid bet. But if you're going to keep playing, like, I, I think if you if you don't want to come out and air it out, like, that's up to you. But if you don't do this, if you don't assess what happened and you don't really admit, like, what I should be learning, like, that that's the whole idea of this game, too. Like, not just what you do well, right? Like, think about it in, in, from a sports perspective. Like, if, if you have a really good let's, – I, I play basketball, so I'll use basketball, for example. If I have a really good jump shot and all I go out and do is just keep shooting jumpers, okay, that's good. You, maybe you approve your jump shot a little bit, but what about your handle? What about your post moves? Like, you, you should work on the stuff you're not good at too. And it, it may not be fun to go out there and, you know, play with your left hand if you're right-handed all the time, right? But you want to improve that. Like, that's what you need to do to get better at everything in life is look at where I fucked up. And how can I improve? And Mike, when I talk about this today, like it's it's weird to say this because it, it fires me up. Like this is stuff that I've learned. I feel like we had a lot of hits this year. We had a lot of things that went well. We had some teams that did well. And with all the equity I've accrued going into 23, what I've learned, man, I'm, I'm actually really excited for not just content and talking to everybody about what I learned, but for what my teams are going to be looking like based on some of this. I, I'm, I'm fired up. And I think everyone dynasty degenerates, the, the last point I'll leave you with is here, here's our, here's our fuck ups right in front of you. All right. You, you could take them clown me. I hope you do. It, it's fun for me to talk about me acting like Justin Jefferson wasn't the greatest thing, but you, you should be doing the same thing for yourselves, right? Like assess some of the things you did wrong. Don't just try to gloss over it. Like you, you know, everything, what did you do wrong? What are some things that you can learn and improve on? Maybe they're not just the stuff we talked about here. Maybe you have other ones that you've, you've learned lessons. Maybe you made bets different from us that didn't go well. But assess that because that is honestly how you get better. And I think that's just one piece of improving yourself because right now we're already fo- focused on 23, right? We're ready to go into the 23 season. Um, so, so use that and it's just one part of 4D chess. And just remember, when your league mates are playing chess, play 40 chess that's gonna do it thank you for tuning in first episode of the new year many more to come another 52 will be coming shortly throughout the entire year thank you for tapping in we'll see you next week same time same place peace peace